Yeah, 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 very cool. Well, uh, this is us as a staff and as a church, and all of you have an us uh, that you have as family or neighbors. Uh, several years ago, uh, there was a person who became my neighbor for the first time, moved in the house beside us, and uh, they rented the house. Uh, they didn't own it, they rented it. And uh, while they were uh, there, um, one particular fall, all the leaves had come down. And uh, I noticed that my neighbor, he was out there raking his leaves, and they had these gigantic tarps, and they started raking the leaves onto the tarps. And I left uh, in the morning and went off to work, did some things, came back in the afternoon, and all the leaves were gone. There were none left. I thought, man, what a great neighbor. He looks good, and, you know, the yard looks great. But I started looking around and I noticed that there were no um, bags, trash bags that had the leaves in them. And I started wondering to myself, like, where might those bags be? And I thought, well, maybe someone picked them up. So I didn't think anything of it. I drove into the parking or into our uh, uh, driveway, parked the car, uh, went outside uh, into our backyard. And I looked out and guess where I found the leaves at? A big pile of leaves that were simply in the back of our yard. My neighbor had put them all right there, this gigantic mound. He had crossed the boundary and he had put all of his leaves from his house into my yard, from his yard to my yard. And I was ticked. I mean, I was so mad. I was angry. I was like, who does this guy think he is? He doesn't even own that house. He's just renting it. Now he's taking all of his stuff, crossing the boundary line, and putting all of his leaves into my yard. And I went to my wife, Jennifer, and I told her, I was like, look what this guy's doing. And I'm going off. And she looked at me and she said, love thy neighbor. And then, I don't know if it was from God, I don't really think so, but I felt a prompting in my spirit, kill thy neighbor. (laughs) And so, I had to go and get all of the leaves taken away. I had to pay somebody to go get my neighbor's leaves, who he had put on my side of the fence, who had put on my side of the boundary line, and now I had to take all those leaves and get rid of them on my own. He had crossed the boundary. He had crossed the boundary. Um, What is a boundary? Well, it's basically a property line. It separates your house or your apartment or the place where you live from your neighbors. You control it. You own it. Well, it's your responsibility. That's what a boundary is. Now, it's easy for us to see physical boundaries, whether it's a fence or shrubs or a wooded area that you don't own. But it's much more difficult, isn't it? To see boundaries or to understand boundaries when it comes to our relationships. It's much harder to see them in our relationships. Have you ever had someone cross a relational boundary? Have you ever had someone cross an ethical boundary? Have you ever had someone tell you how you should raise your kids? Have you ever had someone tell you how you should do your job? Have you ever had someone who had a behavior that was so bad that it created toxicity and it created hurt and other things in your life 
before. Can anyone relate to anyone crossing a boundary in your life relationally, whether it's a mother-in-law, a father-in-law, some other outlaw that's in your family where they've crossed something before? Folks, there are just some people in this world that do not understand boundaries. And today, what I want to talk about is how we can set some healthier ones in our lives. Now, the good news is, is that the Bible talks a lot about boundaries and boundary setting. In fact, it challenges all of us, uh, myself, you, your crazy relative, to honor people's boundaries. But when we step over a boundary, what happens is we tend to hurt other people. And the Bible has an interesting word for that, and the word is called trespassing. Kind of like a no trespassing sign uh, that you have, that you don't cross the boundary into that because it's someone else's uh, property. Um, maybe the greatest place where we see this idea of boundary setting is in the greatest prayer that has ever been shared in the world. Uh, Jesus himself gave the Lord's Prayer in which he used these uh, phrases within it. Forgive us our, what's the last word? Trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses because he knew That as human beings, we would have boundary issues. There would be times in which we would trespass. We would do that. You know, when you think about it, uh, boundaries are really about self-control. I control what's on my property. You need to be able to control what's on your property. I mean, for instance, let's say that uh, Chuck, the guy who did a great job leading us in worship today, one of our pastors and elders, let's say that Chuck comes up to me and he says something like this, you know what, you need to dye your hair because you're getting way too much gray in your hair. You need to dye it. Now, what has he done? He has crossed a boundary. This isn't his hair. This is my hair. And I decide whether I want to dye it or not. And is it gray? Yes, it is gray. And you know why it's gray? Because Chuck's my friend. (laughs) And the reality is that he crossed a boundary. He, He talked about something that he couldn't. Now, this is what I know. All of you might have an... For me, he's my friend, but but you have a Chuck in your life who is a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, but they're not always so friendly, are they? And sometimes the things that they say and the things that they do create a lot of pain and hurt, and there's collateral damage that happens every single time they walk through an area. They're crossing boundaries. And the key is for you and I to know how to set some limits. Again, you and I have a tendency to want to control that, though. When someone's doing something to us, we want to control the situation. And sometimes all we do is we'll even blame other people. Or people will try to control you and they'll blame you. You might hear something like this. Well, the reason I act the way that I do is because you all the time are doing this and this and this and this. Fill in the blank, whatever that is. And folks, you are responsible for your behavior and your actions. No matter what Chuck says, at the end of the day, I am responsible for my behavior. And it's interesting because the Bible gives this a term called self-control. 
Now, you might ask the question, well, how do I know when someone is having boundary problems? Like, how do I know when I'm having some boundary problems? Like, what can we figure out about that? Well, these boundary problems come in multiple different ways, but I just want to talk about two briefly today, and this is your first fill-in, is the first one. And the reality is that boundary problems happen clinically. That clinically, uh, there is some boundary issues. For example, um, emotionally, sometimes people will get depressed And maybe some of you have battled depression. And depression usually takes place, uh, psychologists tell us, because we feel like we don't have any choices. That depression comes because people feel like they don't have any choices and they begin to start having these dark places in their mind. Uh, Psychologists actually call this term learned helplessness. This is where people suffer from a powerlessness arising from traumatic, from a traumatic event or a persistent kind of sense of failure to succeed. I mean, when people grow up in an environment where all the time, maybe they have parents, maybe there's a dad who just never gives them any options. And they think to themselves, no matter what I do, I'm not, never going to have his approval. He doesn't approve of anything I do. Or no matter what I do, it's never going to stop the yelling. And what happens is pretty soon when you think no matter what I do, nothing's going to change. You find yourself having less and less and less choices to make in your life. And when people get depressed, what happens is that continues unless they're clinically kind of uh, get some help and it goes into their adulthood and they have this feeling that even in their own relationships as adults they don't have any choices either and depression comes in and it overwhelms them and the same thing can happen with anxiety or panic attacks I've been really honest about my battle with anxiety. And one of the things that I've learned is that when anxiety consumes me to a point where I can't function, it's because all of a sudden I don't have perspective. I feel like I have narrow sense of no options. There's no choices that I'm able to make. It happens with addicts all the time. I just keep taking whatever this drug is Because I have no other options. We feel powerless. We lose energy. Now, I don't want to spend most of our time clinically because I'm not a psychologist. But that kind of gives you a sense of the way the brain works and how uh, it can happen when boundaries aren't set. Here's a second place, though, that I really want to focus in on today uh, where we find boundary problems. And that is relationally. When there are relationships that are going on. Now, I don't want any of you to uh, raise your hand here in the auditorium. I guess those of you on the stream, uh, you can go ahead if you want to. Um, But how many of you have an addict in your family system? Maybe it's extended again. Don't raise your hand, um, but probably most of us do. Whether it's in our immediate family or it's in our extended family, there's someone whose life is out of control. It has spiraled out of control in such a huge way. And every time this person comes around, there's pain and there's hurt that takes place. And there's this collateral damage again that continues to happen. And when this is taking place, um, I just want you to know, if you're an, if there's an addict or a person who doesn't understand boundaries, you talking to them is not going to make it better. 
You could talk from now until the end of the world. It will not change their behavior. Talking doesn't do it. And also, nagging doesn't do it, no matter how much you say. They only will get better when there's actually a time in which you set some boundaries, you set some limits, and you stop, you stop enabling their behavior. And the only way that you'll ever be able to find freedom uh, within that relationship is by setting a boundary, by telling them, do you know what? You can still use alcohol or heroin or whatever the drug of choices that you have. I can't change that. I can't control your choices, but I can control how much I'm going to be exposed to this. And I'm choosing not to be exposed and I will choose to walk away from it. And as long as you're abusive and as long as you stay on drugs, I want you to know I'm going to walk away. We will not be in relationship together. I'll go somewhere else. Now, it's not just the person who battles uh, drug addiction. Some people have what I call negative addiction. Um, you might live with somebody like that. They're just negative about everything. They're putting people down all the time. And when they do that constantly, you can actually, the only way that will will change the behavior is when you say, you know what? I can't control you. I can't control what you're saying, but I can't control myself. And every time you go down this path, I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to listen to it. I can't change you. I can't control your behavior, but I can choose not to listen. Now, The problem with relationships is that often, rather than choosing to set a boundary and what that looks like, because it's hard to do. This isn't easy stuff. It's difficult. Instead, what we tend to do is we nag. Have you ever heard a a horse before? Uh, They kind of nag, right? They just nag, 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 nag. I don't really have a good horse impression, so if you have one... uh, Keep it to yourself. But anyways, um, that's my, I'm, they just have this sense of, of nagging. But I'm telling you folks, nagging never changes people's behaviors. Only setting boundaries, setting limits. Now, I'm going to share with you a scripture right now. And what I'd like for all of the husbands to do in this place, all of the boyfriends, all of the men, when I share this scripture, I don't want you to nod I don't want you to elbow the person beside you. I don't want you to say amen because you could lose your life by doing so, okay? But I'm going to give you a scripture right now. Proverbs 21, 19 says this. Better to live out in the desert than with a nagging, complaining wife. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, there is not a verse... For men in the Bible that deals with this, but I want you ladies to know that if I ever get a chance to add something to the Bible, I'm going to tell God I want it to be 1 Chris chapter 24 verse 12, and this is what it's going to say. It's better to get bamboo shoots in your fingernails than to live with a man constantly picking you apart, okay? Like, that's what I would have it to be. Because the reality is, is that men nag too. And I'm telling you that uh, boundaries are just a better solution. They're a better solution in any marriage than to just simply nag about something. The same is true with parenting. 
Let's say, for example, that uh, mom and dad come home and Johnny is sitting on the couch playing a video game. And he's playing this video game. He's eating some chips. And all of a sudden, mom goes. She looks at Johnny's room. She comes back down and she goes, Johnny, I looked at your room and you need to go up there and clean it right now. You need to clean your room. Now, let me ask you this. Does Johnny have a need to go clean his room in that moment? Raise your hand if you think Johnny has a need to clean his room. None of you should be raising your hand right now. Johnny has no need to clean his room right now. You know what Johnny's only need is right now? To get this psycho woman off my case who's called my mom. So I can get back to Mortal Kombat or to Fortnite or whatever it is that I am playing. There is no need in his life to change his behavior whatsoever. No need at all. His only need, like I said, is to get his mom out of his hair. So nagging someone is trying to control somebody. And the reality is you and I were not created to control anybody else except ourselves. And it only frustrates people when you nag. But if mom walked in, saw the room, but took control of herself and control of things, and she came back down and she said, so Johnny, here's the deal. Uh, We are going to go to the Reds game tomorrow, and we're going to have a blast. Your dad's going to go, I'm going to go, your sister's going to go, and we would like you to go as well because it's going to be a lot of fun. We want you to go, but this is the way that it works. Everybody is going to clean their room by 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, we're going to have an inspection at 6 o'clock. If your room is done by then, then you get to go with us to the Reds time. We're going to have a great time. Or you can choose not to do that whatsoever. And that's fine. You can sit here and play video games as, as long as you want. But if that is your choice, do you remember Hazel? You know, the babysitter from hell? Well, I called her, and she's free tomorrow. And what she's going to do is she's going to come here, and she is going to be with you, Johnny, the whole time watching you clean your room, and I'm sure she'll encourage you quite a bit. And so she will be here, and she'll do that. And really, you know, the choice is up to you. Whatever you wanted to do, it is fine with me. Um, well, I've got to run. I've got some other chores to do, and so I'll talk to you later. And then she walks right out of the room. Now, all of a sudden, do you know what has happened to Johnny? Now, all of a sudden, Johnny has a thought that was never in his mind before. And this is his thought. I need to clean my room. Like now, I really need to clean this room. I need to do that. But it was the limit, it was the boundary that actually challenged him to make a difference in his life. Because setting boundaries, setting limits is key um, when you're dealing with another human being. Folks, it's a huge deal. I know it's difficult, but it's a huge deal not to nag, but to simply set a limit, set some kind of boundary. Now, everything we've talked about so far today centers around a concept that we kind of introduced earlier, but it's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. 
So in Galatians chapter 5, a guy by the name of Paul, who wrote close to half of the New Testament, considered one of Jesus' closest followers, he said, when the Holy Spirit is in you, in other words, when God's Spirit is in you, you're going to produce some fruits. And here's what these fruits look like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and other control. Is that what it says? We're all good until we get to the ninth fruit. The ninth fruit is not other control, folks, not controlling others. The ninth fruit is what? Self-control. Yeah, self-control. There is only one type of control that you and I are supposed to have in our life, and that is self-control. The Bible talks about self-control, not trying to control others. When you uh, walk into our home, uh, if you walk through the front door uh, in the entryway, uh, there is a table, and on top of that is a plate, and it reads these words, uh, For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anyone ever heard that scripture before? For me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Okay, a few of you. Uh, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Now, what people don't always see is that there's actually something that precedes this sentence, this verse, and we never read that part. But I'm going to read it for you today, and this is what it says. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, Johnny, if it's disagreeable with you to do your chores, that's okay. I'm not going to pay you. If it's disagreeable with you not to get off drugs, uh, not to change your life, not to stop drinking alcohol, then uh, and you choose not to go to a treatment center, that's fine, but you just can't live here anymore. Folks, when we get to that point of setting some clear boundaries, that's where we actually find freedom. You know, I would actually say that, and I think most uh, Christian psychologists would, that, or, or secular for that part, that 90% of all of our relational problems tend to happen because we don't set boundaries. 90% happen because we choose just never to set boundaries or we have a lack of boundaries in our relationships. Again, Paul put it this way, for we are each responsible for whose conduct? Ours, our own conduct. You know, the problem with many relationships, uh, friends, coworkers, neighbors, uh, whatever relationship that you're in, the big problem that we have is that people don't take responsibility for their life. They want to take their leaves and put them into our yard. They want to take their stuff and put it into us. It's like the 45-year-old child who chooses not to get a job, but they stay at their parents' house on their couch playing video games all the time. Or somebody who's abusive with some kind of behavior uh, or with their words or their actions. Folks, there simply comes a time where you have to be direct with someone and you've got to set the boundary. You're putting leaves on my side of the fence and you've got to stop doing that. This is the boundary because if you don't, you will be used, you will be misused, and sometimes you will actually be abused. The key is to set some boundaries to set 
some limits. Now, I realize some of you are thinking right now, man, this is good. I like this idea of boundaries. This is what we should do. But you're like, I like them, but it's kind of abstract. Because Chris, I got a coworker, and this person is a nut. I mean, they are crazy. They are out of control. They're a really, really difficult person to be around. Or I have a family member who is out of control. Well, Romans 12, verse 13 says this. If it is possible, and uh, if you want to, you can circle the word if. Because if implies that it might not be. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. With everyone. I don't know if you've learned this yet in life or not, but it's not always possible to live at peace with some people. Sometimes it's just not. There are some people that no matter what you do, they still want to poke your eye out. They just cause pain and hurt over and over again. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with their own pain and their hurt. And so God says, you need to realize it's not about you. You've got to set some boundaries. Now, I want to kind of close out by giving you just three statements that I think will help kind of reduce and relieve uh, some stress in your life if uh, you've been struggling with a toxic person of how you can set some boundaries. And here are three things uh, that you need to uh, remember. Uh, here's the first thing. And God wants you to realize this when a person has toxic behavior. The first thing is, I didn't create it. You've got to tell yourself, whatever that behavior is that's going on with this person, I didn't create it. I didn't create it. In other words, they chose this. They created this toxic behavior themselves. They're bitter. They're envious. They're depressed. They're overwhelmed. They're belittling you. They're nagging. They're nitpicking. You didn't create whatever it is, so you don't have to feel guilty about whatever they're doing. Now, what will happen is sometimes people will blame you for their behavior. They'll blame you for their addiction or their struggles, but you are not responsible for it. It's your choice to be able to say, you know what? I didn't create this. I didn't create this issue. Secondly, what you need to say is not only I didn't create it. Secondly, I can't control it. I can't control it. Uh, we've said this already multiple times but you can't control anybody else's behavior except your own. You know, most people, uh, when they get around a toxic person, instead of set, setting boundaries, sometimes what they do, especially if it's a family member, is they will actually start going, well, maybe it's my fault. Maybe whatever behavior they have right now, maybe I'm like the one doing it. And so they start worrying like, well, somehow I have to control it. I have to make this person look better. I've got to hide whatever the addiction or the behavior or the attitude is. And folks, the reality is, is that some of you are carrying some false guilt. There's some of you that walk in your systems and you walk around and you're like, well, if I just did things differently, maybe this person would change. If I just, um, you know, acted differently, maybe my mom wouldn't be depressed. If I acted differently, maybe my dad wouldn't drink. If I acted differently to our kids, maybe rather than, than them rebelling, uh, they would choose a different kind of lifestyle. 
You know what? Every single person, folks, makes their own choices. They are responsible for their choices. So I didn't create it. I can't control it. And then finally, I won't change the behavior. I won't change their behavior. Folks, when you have a crazy in your life, and don't raise your hand because some of you know you do. You, you've got someone in your life that's just a little bit, their, their behavior is just out there. They're out of control and they're toxic. It is a waste of time to think that you are going to change them with all of your intelligence and knowledge. That if you just nag enough that they're going to be able to go, oh, that sounds very rational. I think I'm going to do this now. Folks, if that would have happened, that would have happened the first time you told them something. And now you're just wasting your breath. Why? Because nobody changes until they decide to change. No one changes until they decide to change. You can't change anybody. You can only change yourself. In fact, people only change when the fear of change is exceeded by the pain. Let me say that again. People only change when the fear of change is actually exceeded by their pain. When they finally have enough pain in their life, that's when people change. And I'm telling you, some people have a very high tolerance of pain before they ever want to do something different. So until that happens, what you have to do is be able to set some boundaries to set some limits. Well, eventually, uh, that neighbor who is renting the house... Uh, beside us, he moved. And uh, we were glad that they moved. You know, I mean, it, it was just good that they went and they did their own thing. And so uh, they left. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm never going to have to worry about leaf patrol again. No one's going to put their leaves in my yard. Well, a couple years later, another person moved in, not in that house, but a couple houses down. And I went to the back of my house and I looked and the, the person was putting their leaves over the fence into my yard again. And at that point, I was like, this cannot go again because I'm too tight to pay for this. So I started walking down and God kind of got a hold of me and said, speak the truth in love. It's okay for you to speak truth, but speak it in love. And I walked, not very loving. But when I got to the person, I was very, very loving. And I said, hey, I don't know if you knew this or not, but this is my yard. That is your leaves. You have put your leaves into my yard. I don't like that. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. I thought it was like a community kind of thing. And I wasn't sure I was going to spread it out, but it'll never happen again. And it never has. They're great neighbors. They're awesome people. They've never put their leaves in our yard since then. But I had to tell them and show them where the boundary was. Folks, I don't know what toxic person is in your life, but I'm telling you nothing will change until you set a boundary, you set some kind of limit. And I just wonder to myself how healthier we might be as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community, that instead of trying to control other people, We practice self-control. And I wonder what our world might look like of how much less stress we might have in our lives if we 
walk through our days with the thought in my, our minds that I can't control them, I can't change them, but I can set a healthy boundary, a healthy limit. Let's pray. Well, God, uh, we thank you so very much uh, for this day. And we thank you, God, for showing us in the Bible the importance of setting healthy boundaries. Thank you for reminding us that it is not our job to change other behaviors, God. That is your job. It's not ours, it's yours. And now, uh, maybe someone here, as you're sitting there right now, you're like, oh man, I, Chris, while you were talking, this image of this person in my life, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, maybe a family member came to me. And Chris, you know what I need right now is the courage from God to set a limit, to set a boundary. And so for some of you, maybe God could help you right now. In fact, maybe some of you are saying, God, I need your help. I need you to help me to set that limit, to set that boundary. And if you right now are like, God, that's what I need. I need that help. Would you just raise your hand for a second? Let me pray for you uh, real quickly. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each hand that is raised. And I pray right now, God, that for each one of them, that you would give them wisdom to know what boundary, what limit to set. And right now, God, would you show them that you can give them the strength Would you help them to stop enabling the person because that's not working, to stop nagging because that's not working, to to stop talking because talking's not making that change. Help them, God, to not practice trying to control them, but to have self-control. God, help each person who has a toxic person in their life right now that's creating some kind of damage, some kind of hurt, Um, maybe collateral damage in the midst of that, that they would ask you for a boundary to set. And God, you would give them courage to set that boundary this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. You know, uh, maybe for some of you, the reality is right now, is that for some of you, you have uh, actually been listening to this teaching and you're like, you know what, I'm that person. I've been trespassing on other people. I've been breaking boundaries with people in my life. And maybe there's a thought within you that's like, you know what, I've messed up so much that there's no way God's going to be able to forgive me for this. Folks, I want you to know that God forgives you no matter what. He forgives you all the time when you come to him. And so any trespass that you've made, he forgives you for that. And maybe today, rather than just, you know, continuing to flip God off and to say, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to do life the way that I want. And you just keep causing more pain and hurt to the people around you. Maybe today's your day where you're like, I'm tired of doing this. It's not changing anything. I need God in my life. I need his love. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. And if that's you, if you're ready to make a decision that I'm choosing to make God the center of my life, I invite you to simply repeat a prayer after me, but it's your prayer, not mine. And uh, you don't pray it alone, but you pray it together uh, in community. 
And so I'd invite you to simply uh, repeat this prayer after me. Repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you. I want my life to change. Give me hope now. I believe Jesus died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.